Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Are you going to try and trip Jennifer Lawrence again this year? I succeeded last year. It was amazing. Coming to you almost live from backstage at the Academy Awards, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your hosts. We are hosts not only of the show tonight, but also of the Academy Awards. Uh, Unfortunately, several weeks early. Yeah, yeah. So we're here in the uh, theater where it's taking place, the name of which I can't remember conveniently. Uh, It used to be the Kodak Theater, but then Kodak is not a thing anymore. It's probably the Yahoo Microsoft Theater. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or something like that. But uh, yeah, this is our our uh, sixth annual ill-informed Oscar show. That's right. And ill-informed as ever. Oh, yes. Uh, Adam and I have officially seen none. That's not true. I have seen one yeah. of the movies up for Best Picture. And which one is it? It's the Grand Budapest Hotel. I have seen the same movie. And it's because it's on Netflix. And I hope it wins. <laughs> uh, and uh, But we have two very informed guests who will be joining Allegedly. us to give them their Oscar picks. And uh, we'll be talking about some other stuff around the Academy Awards a little later in the show. Yeah. It'll be a good time. It'll be interesting for us. It's also, uh, I did say early, and it is indeed early, because the Oscars are on the 22nd of February. But... The thing is, the next time we record an episode is basically that weekend. Yeah, so yeah. we have to do it a little earlier. It's uh, Yeah, so we're getting it done a little bit earlier than usual. And we're actually foregoing a Valentine's Day episode this year as a result. That's right. No Valentine. We, we really took a hard look and went, do people care more about Valentine's Day or the Academy Awards? And hands down. Hands down. It was Valentine's Day. And we said, you know what? We care more about the Academy Awards and did the Academy Awards episode anyway. If our wives are listening, we got you something nice. This podcast episode, actually. Happy Valentine's. It's just so much more economical. So romantic. Oh, God. So anyway. Yeah, so here we are. (laughs) Um, We'll get to the Academy Award chat in a minute. But just wanted to uh, thank a few people before we get into the rest of the show, because as you know... We are running a a Patreon campaign. That's right. We are asking you, our listeners, to voluntarily subscribe to the podcast to uh, cover off the expense of making the podcast, uh, to help us do that, rather, and uh, also to uh, help us be able to do more and better and more and grander things with the show. Exactly. Which we want to do. Yeah. Um, we have a few people who have voluntarily subscribed. We're not quite at the point where we could call ourselves self-sustaining. Not yet. But that doesn't mean we don't appreciate the people who are already pitching us a few bucks. We are on our way, and that means that we have, uh, well, there's a new patron this week. Yeah. Uh, Sam Brooks threw some dough behind the show. Thank you, Sam Brooks, for your subscription. Thank you so much. Sam actually used to produce uh, a segment for The Unknown Studio with uh, John Kamech and uh, Matt Hirji. They don't do that anymore, even though it was really great, and we appreciated the content. And he is good enough to throw his money behind the show. He believes in what we do so much, he's willing to put his money where his listening ears are. Other true believers include Aaron Bourne, Raman Ostad, Karen Unland, Sylvia and Darren Chevery, Delaney LaGrange, and Greg Beaver. Greg Beaver is one of our guests later on in the show. Not just because he's one of our patrons, but I'm just putting it out there. If you become a patron of the show... It does increase the likelihood that you might appear on the show. Absolutely, it does. It is a huge, huge thing to give us money. That's right. So our first milestone is at $200, and we'll talk about the Patreon campaign a little less at $200 that's right, than we yeah. are right now. Uh, that's the point where we would officially call the show self-sustaining. We have some much more ambitious milestones after that, but 200 is is the goal we want. We're... Quite a ways off from that. We are, So yeah. please, uh, if you've got a little extra money, even $1 a month it, helps the show. It goes a long way. And uh, even if you don't and you continue listening to the show, you know what? We still appreciate that too. 
It's been a, it's been a bit of a, a lesson for me. I mean, you know, w- over the last couple of weeks, we've tapered off on promoting the campaign a little bit, which we should really get more behind. Exactly. I think I think that uh, you know, you mention it once, and people are like, "Oh, I should probably," you know maybe give them something and then they forget if you don't remind them. So exactly. So or, count- or they kind of file it away for later. Well, maybe a little closer to the end of the month. I'll think about it. Yeah. When I know, you know what my Rogers bill is going to be this month or whatever. Exactly. And, uh, so yeah, we're, we'll, we'll be a little more active on the Facebooks and the Twitters. We'll be out there talking about our campaign. And, uh, of course, if you are currently a patron, of the show, a subscriber to the show, then congratulations for hearing the sound of this episode a day early. Yeah. Because we release the show on Tuesday on the Patreon page for our patrons, and then on Wednesday on iTunes for everybody else. So, so if you, you get... want to get the show a day early, you want to get a jump on everybody else, know what the conversation is going to be. Predict the future. All you need to do is throw us a couple bucks. That's it. That's all it takes to predict the future. There you go. Yeah, you don't even need a flying DeLorean or anything like that. Now, a couple things. Speaking of flying DeLoreans, (laughs) it's 2015. It is. Where's my flying car? I don't know. Where's my fucking hoverboard? I don't know. Now, apparently they have made hoverboards. That is alleged. Yes, I've heard that. But you, you you need to use them on a... a, a specific kind of surface. Yeah, which is not every surface. Exactly. So unless we clad the entire planet in whatever that metal is that they're using, <laughs> we will never have hoverboards. I also want my Mr. Fusion. Yeah. Handy. Who, gasoline is so exactly. passe. I don't care how cheap it is right well, now. Well, now here's the thing. The DeLorean actually did still run on gas. Mr. Fusion was just there to uh, charge the flux capacitor, which of course needs... A great deal of power to travel through time. 1.21 gigawatts. That's correct. The, the very power of a lightning bolt. Uh, and that's what Mr. Fusion was actually there to do. But the, the car itself still ran on gasoline. Right. Okay, so wait a minute. The, you, need, you need a tremendous amount of, of electricity to power the flux capacitor. But in the first movie... Ah, he had a nuclear reactor. It, that's what it was. It was yeah, plutonium. He had the plutonium. Right, right. But then, and then they needed in the, the past, lightning. They strike. couldn't get the plutonium, so he modified the car to run off of uh, the force, uh, the power of a lightning bolt, the power of nature. And then, when he went to the future, he installed Mister Fusion because it was a much handier way to do it than again stealing more plutonium from the Libyans. The Libyans, yeah. yeah so, yeah, I wonder how the government. Have, it's funny, you know, because you think about like the way the government of Libya treated the first Back to the Future film, and then consider the way the government of North Korea allegedly treated the interview. Yep. Which is uh, surprisingly not on the list of Oscar mentions. That I think that's a tremendous Oscar. We're going to talk about that with our guests, but but, um, it's interesting that, uh, well, maybe it's because the internet wasn't around back then that the Libyans didn't couldn't get immediately incensed that they had been targeted as You know terrorists. what? I don't think they'd even be immediately incensed today. Probably there, uh, not. There's a lot of uh, places that just, you know what, wouldn't care. Yeah. Yeah, I it think just you're... just wouldn't care I think you're how absolutely they're portrayed right. in a movie. And uh, North Korea didn't previously care how they were portrayed in a movie. Well... Because the remake of Red Dawn was North Korea, wasn't it? The uh, North Korea stormed the White House in one of those back-to-back White House taken over movies. I don't even re- remember which one, but that was North Korea was one of them. I'm, I'm not and, familiar. And uh, Team America World Police made tremendous fun of uh, Kim Jong Il, big time. And uh, the North Koreans had nothing to say about that. So, but since then, admittedly, they've had a change of leadership. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. the new. Uh, supreme leader has decided that he cares a little more how the country and he are portrayed in the movies. It's in very, the movie it's pictures. very possible. But but I also remember hearing or reading that North Korea actually wasn't behind the Sony hack, and they they didn't actually give a fuck about the interview. That uh, until, it was that it was a group of hackers based in America yeah. who just because they're trolls exactly decided to say that they were supporting North Korea. Why not? When in Rome, I guess. Is that what you do? I I guess. Maybe. I yeah. It's still pretty fuzzy. Nobody's entirely 
100% certain exactly what was going on. And I think the world has moved on to caring about other things like not vaccinating their children. Exactly. For example. For example. This is a big thing. Because of the, the measles outbreak. Yeah. Now, this is this has happened in a few different places. It happened on the at with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. It happened at Disneyland. Disneyland was the one that was the story that really broke it wide open, I it, think. Well, and it was also kind of ground zero for the outbreak that's happening right now is a lot of people were exposed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's a problem. There's a really great post on Medium that was written by someone who has autism that makes really great arguments in favor of vaccinating your kids, one of which is, really, you think autism is worse than measles, which can actually kill you? It's not that bad. And besides, vaccinations do not ever cause autism. The link was disproven. Many times. Uh, a retraction was printed by... Wakefield was his name. Yeah. Well, the, the, it was I like want to say it was the Lancet, the I medical journal. I think it might journal, have been, yeah. Uh, who had originally published the study because it turned out that he was crooked, that he'd faked the research. Yep. And that it was possibly even criminal because he may have endangered children to do it. He, he uh, not surprisingly, lost his medical license, and yet this attitude around anti-vaccination still persists. Yeah. In the face of stark evidence, it persists, which yeah. just tells you... That people are making these decisions based They're on emotion. They're making ill-informed decisions based on... Um, I read an article that said that called it a selfish decision based on knee-jerk reactionism to the government. That, that sounds you, about right. You distrust the man, and so you're willing to put your children in danger to prove your point. And that is selfish and irresponsible. And yeah. I would kind of agree with that. So would I. Because it's not just about protecting your children, but it's about the rest protecting of society. Other children, yeah. because herd immunity is a real thing. And it's this uh, it's it's these children who have gone unvaccinated that has caused a measles outbreak in twenty fifteen. When was the last time there was a measles outbreak? Good Lord, I have no idea. I Certainly, can... I can't remember one in my lifetime. Me neither. I maybe remember a handful of instances where I heard about the measles as a thing in my lifetime. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid asking my mom what it was, and she couldn't tell me. There you go. Because it had been virtually wiped out. And now it's making a resurgence. There's fears polio. might There might be a polio outbreak in the United States yeah. sometime in the next five years because of this. Yeah. And that's a... Polio... You never walk again. Yeah. That's the least that can happen. Yeah. Uh, there are, and even the measles, if you're like, oh, well, you, you swell up and you get some bumps and you stay home for a few weeks. No, people can die from the measles. People can get serious, lasting medical problems that persist through their lives due to organ damage that can happen from the measles. And God forbid you're a woman and you're pregnant and you get the measles because you can pass that kind of damage on to your unborn child and they can spend the rest of their lives suffering from medical conditions that are 100% preventable. Yeah. Now, and if you try to unpack the arguments against vaccinations, they're pretty specious. I mean, one of the big things that people seem to fear is the fact that there's mercury, trace amounts of it. Tra there's more mercury in your tuna. Yeah, and formaldehyde, which you can actually get from an apple as well. Yeah, and if you've ever had maraschino cherries, congratulations, that's how they're pickled. Exactly. So, I mean, these... Uh, and then and then you mentioned Big Pharma. I mean, there's a whole cross-section of people who believe that vaccinations are just a way for, for pharma pharmaceutical companies to make more money. Which is ridiculous because they're giving them away for, for free, yeah, practically. Exactly. Like Go that's, governments it's a pay human, for them. It's a human... It, it's... Yeah, it's it's a public good for them to give away the the vaccinations practically for free. Yeah. The government pays pennies for those vaccinations. And that's mostly just to cover the cost of making them. Exactly. The pharmaceutical companies make no profit on those because they want healthy customers to buy their other drugs. Yeah. And if you die as a child from polio, you're not going to grow up and buy Advil. So, like, that's just a thing. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so that's the conspiracy. There they're, you go. They're giving you these vaccinations so, so you buy Advil. So that you eventually need to have Advil. Okay. There you go. Well, I've, just, you know I've just thrown fuel on the fire. I guess, I guess I'm not going to get vaccinated. Yep. I actually don't remember the last time I was vaccinated. And, and we should get vaccinated frequently, do you know? I uh, well, when... When the need arises. Right. Uh, I remember getting my tetanus shot when I was in uh, grade school. I remember that as well. Uh, and conveniently, just shortly before I stepped on a piece of metal that 
punctured my foot and would have probably needed a tetanus shot. So awesome. That worked out. Great. Uh, and then uh, before Anita and I went on our honeymoon, because we traveled overseas, yeah. um, we were advised we should get a booster for a number of things, and we did. No question. Yes, give us the shot. Just shoot us up with everything you need. To the, <laughs> we don't get sick while we're on our trip. And uh, so it, it's once you're an adult, it, it comes up from time to time. But it's really the the basic ones that you get as an infant that are the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, make sure you're vaccinating your kids. This is a public announcement. Yeah. This is a this is a PSA. Yeah. Uh, Adam and I aren't in the pocket of big pharma. If we were, <laughs> we wouldn't be doing. We the wouldn't Patreon be doing the Patreon campaign. campaign. <laughs> Uh, we're both well-informed people, and I mean, we distrust the government. Oh yeah, those guys we, are nuts. We're both we're both probably on the left side of the spectrum, which means we have a healthy distrust of any government in Canada right now. Pretty much, and yet we're saying, you know what? the The research is sound. Even if, even if one in a hundred children who got vaccinated get autism the good of the other 99 being immune to potentially fatal diseases far outweighs that risk. Well, and again, there is no risk. That's right. Because it does not cause autism. And frankly, um, I know a lot of uh, folks with autistic kids or kids on the spectrum. Um, it, it's totally manageable. It's it's not the end of the world. No. It's just it's just and, a different and, way that people are. Yeah, like, and, and the autistic spectrum is a broad spectrum. Yeah. And uh, you, I think people a lot of times fixate on the worst cases, which can be challenging, but more mild cases do exist, and it's, and it's not the end of the world. Agreed. It's maybe a little more difficult. It's not the end of the world. Just, to, just a, a final point on this conversation. Um, there's a daycare in Ottawa that offers a vaccine-free environment. Um, I read about this morning, which I just find so bizarre. And potentially harmful. The fucked up thing is there's nothing anyone can do about it other than not sending your kids there. Well, and there's uh, currently a a big conversation going on in Canada and in the United States about whether or not unvaccinated children should be allowed to attend public schools. Yeah, I mean... Because they are potentially uh, providing a tremendous risk to other children. Because what you need to understand is that there are some people who are not vaccinated because they can't be vaccinated, mm-hmm. who are uh, perhaps have immunodeficiencies or what have you, and the vaccination would itself be potentially harmful to them. Yeah. And if you are uh, not vaccinated by choice because of whatever reason, and you come down with something, you're putting them at tremendous risk because they're probably even more likely to be harmed by whatever you have than you are. Yeah. And... That is that is a serious problem. They are relying on the herd immunity, and you are compromising that. You're putting them in danger, not just yourself. So it's very selfish to not get vaccinations. That's basically what we're saying. Don't be a jerk. Now, a, a little while ago, probably about, I want to say, two weeks ago at the time of this recording, was the United States State of the Union Address. It's yes. the annual thing the president does. It's the Oscars of politics <laughs> in the United States. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it was it was... An interesting event, not only because um, I believe it will be, it was Obama's last State of the Union. Because uh, we're coming up on an election yeah. in October, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. I think. Is it this year or next year? Might be next year. Yeah. Anyway. Either way, it's certainly one of his last. Yeah. If not his last. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, around this is the... Is the it f- would not be a good ill-informed Oscars episode if we were also not ill-informed <laughs> about the length of Obama's presidency. Come on. We're Canadian. We don't know about these things. We shouldn't Even know as much the, as we know The internet them. is right next to us. It's, it's like right. It's sitting yep. at another microphone in this room. But... Um, so the White House actually invited uh, three YouTubers to the White House to interview the president. And this was something they did in partnership with Google, which, of course, owns YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, one of the interviewers is a fellow named Hank Green, who's one of the vlog brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother, uh, John, wrote A Fault in Our Stars. Mm-hmm. And they, they do this thing together. Uh, there was a fashion blogger, I believe, uh, was one of the people who was invited to speak to the president, and an, uh, an older woman uh, whose name I don't remember. These are famous YouTubers. You will almost certainly remember them. But here's the thing I wanted to get to. The media in the United States, the mainstream media, was incensed that these three individuals were offered the opportunity to ask questions of the president 
And given the scant background I've given you so far, Scott, what do you think about that? What do you think about the mainstream media's reaction? I think the mainstream media's reaction, it, coming from a person who works in the mainstream media. This guy is the mainstream media. Uh, was ridiculous. <laughs> okay, why do you say that? The Well, number one, Obama has gone out of his way to embrace new media. Big time. Um, he is very progressive as as a politician, let alone as a president of the United States, when it comes to uh, social media having access to him, or at least access to his people, if nothing else. Um, and I think that offering, um, number one, YouTube is, is a tremendous media platform right now. It's a huge media platform it's crazy. right now. Yeah. And offering three prominent YouTubers an opportunity to ask him questions about pertinent issues is a way to is is a more grassroots way to get his message out and to be able to answer questions that regular people might want to ask that the mainstream media might not be interested in asking totally. for whatever reason because it's maybe not newsworthy or what have you in and their, the mainstream opinion, media yeah. and the mainstream media is still going to have access to the president during the state of the union after the state of the union and here until the end of his presidency because he that's their job and his job is to keep them informed on stuff. So it's, it's not like he was taking food out of their mouths or anything. He was just offering some scraps to some other guys. And I think that it was ridiculous that there was this um, kind of angry, oh, how dare he reaction. That's just unnecessary. I agree with you. Uh, my opinion is exactly in line with yours. And actually, Hank Green wrote a really great post on Medium, which you can find on our website, uh, linked in this episode. And he talked about the fact, he talked about some of the reasons why the White House might have invited, uh, it was Bethany Mota and Glozell Green, as well as, as Hank Green, to, to, uh, to speak with the president. And the best reason he gave was um, the, the demographics of Fox and CNN viewers. They're all ancient, nearly dead human beings YouTube is where all the the young people kids are. are yeah. And these these YouTubers have millions of subscribers, engaged people who watch their videos all the time. So this is again an, a grassroots opportunity. It would be like the president being on the Daily Show, exactly, he's, which he has done. He's going to reach a younger audience that way, and he's going to show the younger audience that he cares about them as much as he cares about the older people on CNN and Fox. It's a great strategy for the president. It's a great strategy for the Democratic Party. I don't even think that it's something that only the Democratic Party should be doing. I, think, I agree. I absolutely think Republicans should be doing it too, and they'd be stupid not to. Not and if, uh, if a Republican or a Democrat gets elected in the next election, uh, either of them should follow suit and uh, continue to have that level of openness with social media, at least that level of openness with social media, because that's... That's kind of the wave of the future. Well, and you know, I follow the White House on Google Plus, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And if the next uh, administration that comes in dials those communications back, I think it's actually going to look really bad on them. It's going to look agree. like a less open White House. It, it will absolutely look like a less open White House. And I would be, I'd be more inclined to believe that a Republican president, and this might be my my bias speaking, I apologize to any of our listeners, that a Republican president would be more likely to do that. But I could see if, say, Hillary ended up in the White House, she might do that too. And either way, it would look bad. I think that no matter who ends up in, in the big chair in the U.S., Democrat or Republican, they should go, go the course and, and remain as accessible to social media as President Obama has been. I think that's the future. And I think if we can compel the government of Canada to take the same line with influential social media people, that wouldn't be a bad thing. That certainly wouldn't, but it's probably not going to happen with the current administration. Uh, we're going to wrap this segment up because we're going to bring on our guests and talk about what little we know about the Oscars. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we're back, yes. and we're going to do stuff. Yeah. Um, joining us in the studio today is uh, one of InglouriousHipsters.com's artists, g minds, geniuses, weirdos. Well, let's 
hang up there. Okay. <laughs> Lower on the, on the laudables. I don't think we need we'll to go just, that far. We'll just say that it's Greg Beaver. Thank you. And uh, frequently returning guest. Yes. Whose middle and name? Supporter of the show. Whose middle name starts with an H because we invented it that yep. way. And uh, uh, his compatriot, his roommate, the twisted mind behind DeedTheInky.com, Mark Jowett. Hello. Mark made a video about a cat that I saw once. There you go. It was amazing. And now he's going to talk about movies because making a video about a cat is basically the same thing. It's exactly the same it's thing. Essentially. I'm, I'm so, so glad he is, you said that. He is an expert. I hear Mark almost squeaked in <laughs> in a knob. Uh, <laughs> I think that was one of the big Oscar snubs this year. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, we're, we're here to talk about the Oscars, and we brought you both in because you know a lot more about all the movies that were nominated than we do. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we uh, have seen all of one of the best Collectively, pictures. we have seen the Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was highly enjoyable. It was quite good, yes. By collectively, do you mean like one of you watched half of it and the other one <laughs> yes. watched the other half? It was cumulative, yes. I, yes. It was I, an effort. I still don't know what happens at the end, but Scott does, so we're And fine. I don't know how it started, but... It ended quite nicely. But according to our sources, the two gentlemen in the studio <laughs> with us, um, you guys have seen almost all of them. Yes, the, the only best film, uh, not, or the film nominated for best film that I haven't seen is uh, Boyhood. Which and that's because it's too long. It's like tw- it's like a 12-year-long movie. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I kind of feel like all any movie that's three hours is a bit too much of a slog. <laughs> like, even if it's an action-packed game movie like Lord of the Rings... It's still, like, there's still a point in the theater where I'm like, ugh. I have <laughs> stuff to, to do. Yeah, I feel like I want to leave. So, okay. So, here's, here's what we've got. We're going to name, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about all of them, but we'll go through the list of best motion picture of the year for the Oscars. And, and you guys can give your yays or nays. A little, a little rundown of what the episode, uh, what that, rather, that uh, movie was about for our listening audience. Right. So we'll start with, uh, well, we'll go down the list and then we'll talk about them. So there's American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. So how about this? What was your least favorite movie that you saw from that list, Greg and Mark? Uh, Mark, you want to go first? Because <laughs> Greg needs to collect his thoughts. <laughs> I can go first. Uh, I just saw it, actually. Just before I came here, I watched American Sniper. Uh, and it was my least favorite of the seven that I watched. Um, Do you think that it got nominated partly because of the weight of Clint Eastwood behind it? Do you think it got nominated partly because of Hoorah, America, yeah, yeah, yeah? Or do you think I it got know. nominated because it's actually a, uh, like a masterfully f- put together film? Well, clearly, I don't think that last thing <laughs> it was my, my least favorite. The first two, maybe. I mean, I don't follow Oscar politics at all because I don't care. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like, you know, I appreciate award shows. And I think and I think award shows are, are fun and interesting because you want, you know, it's a, a curating tastemaker type thing. And that's totally fine. And I don't mind people getting awards. But, um, you know, uh, I just I don't care about I don't I don't really care about the whole stuff behind the scenes. Fair enough. That's my personal view on it. Well, I, I, I only asked because you mentioned that it was your least favorite on that list. And, and a number of other critics who I generally, my tastes tend to fall with, reflected that sentiment. That it was uh, not as good a film as it could have been. It's it, just, it, it's it not just a makes, great film. It makes some weird choices, I think, um, for a movie where I felt like the the interesting part of it was the story of... Chris Kyle's, um, you know, how the war sort of affected him and how that affected his his family life. But a lot of the time during the film, that sort of takes a back seat to this um, invented sniper villain on the in the insurgent side. Okay. And it sort of feels, that part of it feels more like an action film than it does, uh, you know, a character drama. So they, they could have talked about Chris Kyle but they wanted to talk about the sniping. Now, in their defense, actually talking about the real Chris Kyle would have been talking about uh, a hugely racist monster. <laughs> yeah, apparently this Who guy, should not have been glorified. He was a film. real dick. He was. Yeah. So there you have it. Did, but, you, did you know that going into the movie? Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do, I tried, I mean, I tried to look through. I was trying to watch it through more of an objective lens, I guess, and not... 
you know, I, there's you could you could make the argument that the film draws a direct parallel between 9/11 and the U.S. going to Iraq, as if those things, you know, one followed the other. Really, which obviously we know doesn't. Yep. <laughs> Well, depends on who you talk to, Greg. So there's definitely things in the movie that make me feel uncomfortable uh, politically, uh, but um, you know, I just I tried to watch it as a film on its own. And Mark, you you saw this same movie. I haven't seen this one. You, this that's, is the this that's one, one you have one not seen that you haven't seen. So among see, among yeah. the ones that you have seen, what was your least favorite? Hmm. Uh, I think I'd probably have to go with maybe either Boyhood. Or possibly Whiplash. Really? Why is that? Yeah. Well, Whiplash, I think, is kind of... Well, Boyhood is just too long. That's the problem with Boyhood. It's just it's three hours long. And it's... Uh, I think... For me, I think your opinion of it would depend on how you feel about Ethan Hawke walking around talking. <laughs> if you like to watch that, that endlessly, then... That sounds like the worst experience. Awesome. But if not, then you probably wouldn't like it. Okay. That's basically what happens. Um, but he gets older, it's a Rich, Richard Linklater film, so that's basically, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's what most of his films are. Um, Did you find, though, the concept of what Boyhood would try to accomplish compelling? I thought it was a really interesting kind of concept for a movie, and that's kind of that's like why I kind of stuck with it to the end, kind of. Yeah. Because um, it was a interesting, and there were good parts in it. Like it's not a bad film by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just it is a bit of a slog to, to get through. Fair it's, enough. Uh, yeah, to be fair, there was they edited out quite a bit. Yeah, that's true. For that movie, <laughs> many so. many years of footage. <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, when the director's cut they, comes out, yeah, if, they, if they if they had shot it on film, which I assume they didn't, maybe they shot half it on film I don't, I and the other half digitally. Sure. But I can't imagine what the edit bay would look like after they're cutting. Oh man! All, uh, all the one day they're just going to release a uh, like an uncut director's version. It's going to be like three or four days long. It'll come on seven hundred Blu-rays. <laughs> It'll just be like that scene where they so, watch TV the whole afternoon was really boring. You kind of had a tie between Boyhood and Whiplash. What did you yeah. think of Whiplash? Well, Whiplash is. Uh, the acting in that movie I thought was, was awesome. It was really well performed. All the leads were good. Um, but it's kind of one of those movies that is it's basically the plot of the movie is basically step up, but it's just like wearing a suit and pretending to be like a, a fancy movie. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, and again, not necessarily a bad film, but in the Oscar things, it's, yeah, I mean, it's basically like a regular film it's, with, I, a, I with a fancy like film hat on. It was. The story of two assholes <laughs> yeah, who do horrible things to <laughs> one another, and in the end, the neither of them is held accountable for the horrible things they did. That's so not necessarily a scathing. That's <laughs> not necessarily a scathing indictment. Though. You've yeah. actually just described the movie equivalent of Kenny versus Spenny, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and you'd mentioned the acting, and J.K. Simmons, of course, got huge props for the film, and and is uh, one of the kind of leading. Uh, contenders for a, uh, a supporting actor Oscar. So, but we'll we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, you, you mentioned your least favorites, so obviously the next step is to go with your favorites. What would be if if you could select who got the award? I'm who feeling, would you give it to? I'm feeling this is going to be fairly unanimous. Yeah, we'll be on the same side. On yeah, this. Birdman. Wait, I, I was oh, just going to uh, I was just going to guess, <laughs> but I was going to say Birdman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was far and away my my favorite of the seven that I watched. For now, sure. now is it? It's it's a it's a story about a, a a failed actor who tries to go into theater, or a failed theater actor who tries to relaunch his he's, career. He's actually kind of a successful actor in it, but he's successful in like superhero movies and like big budget kind of explosion type things. And he's trying to kind of branch out and adapt a book into a play and kind of do something more artistically worthy. I guess. That's yeah. Kind of the general idea. It kind of he, his character sort of walks the line of like. Uh, wanting to be uh, respected artistically, but um, there's also a hint of that he really just wants to be back in the spotlight mm. and, and for any just any any way he can or whatever. Whether it's a good or bad attention sort of thing. Yeah, I think he, he seems like it seems to I, the way I read the film is that he does like he wants to be respected, but he also he also really he also really misses. Um, the limelight of being Birdman and, and the success that he used to have. So this is a universal favorite between the two of you, mm -hmm. uh, assuming a two-man universe. <laughs> yeah. um, do you think, what, based on what you know about how uh, winners get picked... And for that matter, based on the precedence of other award shows that have already gone down, your Golden's Globes... 
Your, your globe's golden. Your gold. There you go. That was probably more grammatically correct. Your your SAG awards, your screenwriters guild awards, and whatnot. Uh, do you think Birdman actually has a chance to walk out with the Academy Award, or do you think someone else is going to take it? I remember. Uh, I think the first year I came on the podcast um, <laughs> was what, the year that King's Speech won, and I think I said that. King's Speech was not my favorite film by any stretch of the imagination, but it will win, <laughs> uh, just based on what I what I can sort of intuit from the Oscar politics. Uh, and I would say the, the exact same thing about Boyhood, is that it is going to win because uh, <laughs> that's just the way it works. <laughs> Interesting. Now, I, I mean, I'm, I hate to have to bring, to play the race card, but we've got mm. a, a movie about um, Martin Luther King and... And um, uh, the whole 1960s, 1970s. Uh, well, in 12 Years a Slave yeah. was the big movie last year. Mm. So, so, and given, so because I tend to look at these things as, okay, who's on the best motion picture list and, who's, and who has been uh, not thrown on the director's, best director's uh, list? Which is right. also a good yeah. segue into directors, as a matter of fact. Right, because both Boyhood and Birdman are nominated for achievement in directing. So is Foxcatcher, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and The Imitation Game. So given that Selma is not on the best uh, achievement in directing, do you think they might give the trophy to Selma for best picture? Was it a really good film? Selma was very good, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, it, there was, you know, um, interesting ways of, of shooting the uh, the violence that occurs in the film and, and things like that. I, um, I I enjoyed uh, you know uh, it was very center, cent, uh, central central to uh, to Martin Luther King and LBJ and I enjoyed their relationship even though some pe- there was some controversy about what that relationship was or whatever I, I really watching Selma I sort of started to understand like how little I know about the civil rights movement and that I'm, I'm woefully uh, stupid in that regard. Hmm. Here's a book you should read that sort of has something to do with the civil rights movement, but mostly it's about Bobby Kennedy. It's called The Last Campaign. Excellent book. Uh, anyway, so so given given you know that you you say it's a good a good film, Greg, you enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Mark, you liked Selma. Did you see I, Selma? That's one of the other ones I didn't. So see. now we know which well, the two movies that we talk seen. about at the start. Yeah. That's okay. No, that's great. That's great. So you, do you still think that that Selma will not win Best Motion Picture given some of the potential politics? I did notice that it doesn't, like you say, it's it's not on the actors list, and also none of uh, on the director's list, and none of the actors seem to be nominated either, yeah. from what I can see here. That's true. Possible, yeah. It's, yeah. I think to so. Me, to me, like objectively, uh, in terms of the films that I enjoyed the most and and what I appreciate out of them, I don't think Selma would be in the running for me as as the winner of Best Picture. Fair enough. So, so I think it deserves to be talked about in amongst the the list of those films. And certainly, of all the films that I watched in 2014, it's it's definitely a, a way up there as well. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't nominate it as the first one. So uh, generally, best motion picture and achievement in directing go hand in hand. So if you expect Boyhood is going to win, I I assume that means you expect that Linklater is going to walk away with the directing Oscar as well. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, well, it's I mean, just based on like how that you're right. Like that's usually how. It yeah, works. I think even if he doesn't get best picture, I think directors probably. Usually speaking, if that. if you directed the best film of the year, that film's mm-hmm. gonna win. That's kind of why they tend to walk hand in hand. Yeah. They don't always. Yeah. They don't always. Was it? Um, but usually. Was it when Ar- Argo won? Was it? Did that not take best director? I honestly can't remember. I believe it did, but it didn't take best picture. Oh, okay. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah there it's, was, I, it's rare I that they that, that they split, but occasionally they do. Yeah. Um, okay. So we think Boyhood is a twofer, maybe, potentially. Yeah. Well, there's also um, theory of everything too, because we can't discount the Oscars' love for uh, wheelchair movies. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of like my left foot. Well, they they love uh, they love uh, wheelchair. They love movies about people who have a disability that they manage to overcome and achieve something with the King's Speech. Yeah, yeah, particularly if they're British, they love that. that, Yeah, fair enough. Well, and and it was this is this is actually a good segue into the acting awards because, as I recall, Eddie Redmayne won the Golden Globe Mm -hmm. for for lead actor for the Theory of Everything. So uh, the the people who were up for. an Academy Award for performance by an actor in a leading role, or Steve Carell 
for Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper for American Sniper, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Imitation Game, Michael Keaton for Birdman, and Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything. Now, before we get into it, um, I, I, I'm fairly certain Bradley Cooper will not win for this. I do not think it was his best performance based on what I read. I'd be very interested to see, or, or maybe you can tell me this, Scott, has Michael Keaton ever won an Oscar? I don't believe so. That would be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could be mistaken, but I don't believe so. I will turn to my good friend Google. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I believe he might hold some of the answers that we see. <laughs> I hope so. So uh, feel free to continue the conversation. I will I, jump back in once I I will say about Eddie that. Redmayne is that uh, his performance is quite good in yeah. Theory of Everything. And he, he does a very good job. Like I think, I think that's a, a role that would be very easy to overplay yeah and and go and, and just go a little bit too far with the you know the the voices that he has to sort of you know imitate you know uh, someone who's suffering from the motor neuron disease so it, it would it'd be very easy to go too far and he walks he walks the line perfectly and I think I mean for me watching it it was uh, it, it always seemed very realistic to me hmm interesting what do you think mark best best actor yeah I think I'd have to go with uh, yeah uh, Eddie Redmayne as well. Hmm, so Michael Keaton was—he was really good in Birdman, but I don't think he'll win for it. I'm getting kind of uh, lost in translation feeling about that movie. If you know what I mean, like yeah. you know, remember that the year that Bill Murray was kind of up for the Oscar and everyone thought he was a lockdown for it, and then it went to who, no one even remembers anymore. But yeah. <laughs> nope, <laughs> I, I sure don't. Now here's uh, here's the the facts and stats for Michael Keaton. He has been nominated for exactly one Academy Award. What was it for? This one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has uh, been nominated and won other awards over the years. Uh, Birdman won a slew of film critic awards. He also technically won an acting award for Birdman at uh, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. They do give a, a lead actor uh, award, but they also give an award for performance by a cast, and Birdman did win that one. Hmm, so okay. it's kind of a shared acting award. But if, there, if I could give a cast award, I would give it to Birdman. Yeah, it does like, have a very good. It's like, it's, it's literally cast, just yeah. one awesome performance after another, <laughs> and it, in, in the way that this film shot too, it just feels like the because it's it's shot as if it were all one. Uh, one and take, he has. Right? And it just feels like it just leads you from one amazing performance and you just like fly down the hallway and, and here's uh, another amazing And he does, Jeez. in fact, has won a number of other acting awards for Birdman over the course of this season. He won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Uh, Eddie Redmayne won the one for the more serious dramatic acting. So, And that's the way that the Academy will probably skew because... The Academy does not care for comedy. No. So, <laughs> and he didn't get anything for Need for Speed. No. Tragically or or the the Batman from 1990. Or RoboCop. Or, the new RoboCop oh, remake. About that. Yeah. He oh. was in that. Or 24-hour party people. Was Keaton in Need for Speed? Multiplicity. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> he played many roles in Multiplicity. <laughs> I think he oh, should have been nominated. He could have got, walked that. away with four or five there Oscars for that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad, so, I'm glad to hear that he did so well in Birdman, because we just described a lot of shitty movies. <laughs> so let's move on to uh, performance by an actor in a supporting role, then. Uh, there are five nominees there as well. Robert Duvall for The Judge. Ethan Hawke for Boyhood. Edward Norton for Birdman. Mark Ruffalo for Foxcatcher, and J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. Whip. <laughs> Whip. Uh, now, I believe, as I recall, J.K. Simmons won the Golden Globe on that one. Yeah, and he's very good. Uh, he, he definitely plays to his strengths in that movie because it's, they just kind of let him off the hook to just like run around yelling at people, throwing things, and being a yeah, giant yeah. asshole, which is like his perfect thing. Yeah, he's you know I mean? basically J. Jonah Jameson times 10. But he's That's awesome. Fuck, he's allowed so, to be yeah. like totally homophobic and racist. <laughs> Does anyone remember when he played the, uh, the psychologist they'd bring in on Law & Order every now and then? No. That was like my first exposure to J.K. Simmons, played an extremely straight character. Uh, yeah. My first thing I saw him in was he played a uh, white supremacist in Oz. Like that prison show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it reminds yeah. me a little bit of that. He's like they let him go full Simmons in that too. So it's, full yeah. Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you've just coined the a phrase. Full Simmons. So uh, you're thinking you think his performance in Whiplash was good. Was uh, he did win the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture. There you go. What about some of the other uh, fellows on this list? Do you think that they could unseat J.K. Simmons? Maybe Edward Norton. He was pretty good in Birdman. Ethan Hawke in Boyhood is just Ethan Hawke. Yeah, just doing I don't think anyone wants to. Not necessarily that a bad behavior. thing, but I mean, he's not really outside of his. 
his usual area. Um, yeah, I would uh, personally. I don't. I wouldn't want to speculate on that because I've only seen Edward Norton's and J.K. Simmons' performance. Right. Where between those two, I think I might. I think I enjoyed Edward Norton's performance more. Yeah. Personally. I think for if Ethan Hawke, like I think his best thing he's done recently was. Um, before Sunrise, or whatever the last one of those movies was, I forget the Before Sunset. The yes, I think yeah. maybe. I well, forget which one is the second, which is the third. Yeah, is it Before Sunrise and Before Sunset? And Where he it? played the Daywalker, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's kind of like a <laughs> Dawn of the Planet of the Apes versus the whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, two things that sounded exactly the same. All right, well, let's move on then to performance by an actress in a leading role. Indeed. So we've got Marion Cotillard for Two Days, One Night. Felicity Jones, The Theory of Everything, Julianne Moore, Still Alice, Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, and Reese Witherspoon for Wild. Did anyone see Wild? No, but I really, really wanted to. It, it uh, looked like a really interesting yeah. film. It got a lot of great acclaim. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Reese Witherspoon, she's, she's done so many different kinds of films, some of them ridiculous, like Election, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> Legally Blonde. Um, I mean, she's got a book of work that extends far beyond those, but she's yeah. so all over the place. This seemed like a really meaty character piece for her. So I don't know if she's going to win it. Hmm. Uh, I really liked Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. Yeah. That was, she kind of really made the film. It was a very, uh, interesting, creepy performance. Ooh. Does the Academy like creep <laughs> is the question. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? Do you have any, uh... Picks on this. I'm hearing Rosamund Pike from Greg, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't seen two of the movies. <laughs> to be, that's oh, still no, that's still more than, be, uh, than what I have seen. <laughs> to put this up front. But, uh, hey, um, this wouldn't be our ill-informed Oscar show if we'd that's seen it. Yeah, if we didn't say it. I don't know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> now, it is worth but, uh, noting that Julianne Moore did win the Golden Globe for Still go. Alice. I think uh, Felicity Jones as well in Theory of Everything. Um, she. That's kind of a difficult role, I think, because... Uh, like it's not the flashier of the roles in the movie, if you know what I mean, because it's you know it's all it's about Stephen Hawking. He's she's very much like the support thing, and plus there's some moments in that film where her character is quite unlikable because she's obviously frustrated with, you know, having a husband who's degenerating in that way, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and they they're not too shy about showing that that she's kind of annoyed sometimes, yeah, at having to like you know deal with that kind of thing. Interesting. Um, so it's a good performance, but not necessarily maybe that likable of a performance. I don't know. It's, and it's not like I said, it's not very showy, so it's kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. In it's good in places. I, 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 it didn't stand out necessarily to me. Yeah. As I didn't, you know, I didn't finish the film. And go wow, that was a great performance. Yeah, by it was X. more of a structural thing than just a, a good bio, a, a decent yeah. biopic. Yeah, yeah. I kind of felt that. W- I felt that same way about um, the Alan Turing film. Is it was a very solid biopic. Do you think that Stephen Hawking will be at the Academy Awards? Hmm. They should have him like host one of the. Awards. I, that'd be awesome. yeah. I, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me to have the, yeah. for them to invite him there. It's a film about his life, That's so true, yeah. you never know. Yeah. All right. So no definitive answers on performance <laughs> by an actress in a leading role, and finally, before we get on to uh, Oscar snubs and that sort of fun stuff. Well, actress in a supporting role. That's right. Let's talk about that. Let's not forget about those actresses. So we've got uh, Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Laura Dern in Wild, Kira Knightley, The Imitation Game, Emma Stone in Birdman, and Meryl Streep in Into the Woods. Now, Streep yeah. is the shit. That's kind of like if Denzel Washington shows up in the nomination. She's <laughs> like, oh, shit. That's uh, right. <laughs> to, just to keep count, Patricia Arquette did win the Golden Globe for Boyhood. Interesting. Interesting. So what do you fellas think based on what you've seen and what you think you know? Well, Emma Stone's my was my favorite performance out of all these listed. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kieran Knightley did a good job in the Imitation Game, and I think that's the only two performances I saw, unfortunately. I'm kind of surprised Naomi Watts didn't pick up a nomination. Ooh, yeah. Birdman. Yeah. She was a, a supporting actress in Birdman, too. And, hmm. Yeah. She was quite good, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would have picked her over Emma Stone. For, not that either one were bad, but that would have been my choice over the two. Did Emma, Emma Stone has that one sort of soliloquy yeah. in the middle of it that I really enjoyed, where she just lays into Michael Keaton character. Yeah, that's true. That was and that was quite good. <laughs> did uh, Did Kira Knightley close her mouth at all in the Imitation Game? Because she seems to not be able to do that. <laughs> I, I well, believe I mean, they can she do did. a lot with CG I, I, these days. 
I wasn't necessarily watching for that, but I probably will now. I, every time I watch any film with Keira Knightley, she just be obsessed her, with her that. lips can't cover her teeth. It's amazing. Well, Benedict Cumberbatch actually played her mouth in that movie, too, which is why he's got the nomination there. That's, it's quite a performance. And he's masterful. Yeah, so I hear. Um, okay, so... Uh, you're, Mark, you're saying Emma Stone, maybe, but you th- think Naomi actually, Watts actually should have been picked for that one. That was my pick, but then Greg did mention that kind of speech she has at the end, which I kind of forgot about. That just sort of makes pretty it. Good, yeah. All right. And, and will, will it be Streep? You never know with Meryl Streep. You never know. She's a little all over the place. With Meryl Streep. You know who She's else? A wild card. You know who else doesn't know? Us. Yes. <laughs> That's for sure not. And this has been the least informative show. So before we before we wrap up, let's talk about some of the Oscar snubs. Yeah. Now we were just talking about uh, about Meryl Streep and how she turns up and everything. You don't also know who turns up in everything this year? Tilda Swinton. Really? Yeah. She was all over the place this year. She was great in Snowpiercer. Uh, she was in Grand Budapest Hotel as well. Oh yeah. She she turned up in a lot of rather good movies this year, and yeah. I'm a little surprised she got nothing for anything. I don't know. Maybe they're just sick of Tilda, or or she just didn't. She she was great in everything, but didn't really stand out. Maybe that could be. In I, one, I, thing. I don't know. I mean, I her role in Snowpiercer was my favorite performance from anyone in 2014. Seriously? Yeah, yeah I love that. So it was much. such a such an odd character. Yeah, yeah, it was. And that whole scene in this in the classroom was remarkable. Yeah, and then the movie just took a real turn <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed pretty much all of it yeah even the uh, even the ending yes <laughs> even the strangeness with the uh, the babies or whatever I'll, I'll tell you this as strange as i found snowpiercer i do own the blu-ray <laughs> it's one of those cult movies <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, not to go off on a total tangent but uh i would i would probably put it with jupiter ascending which comes out the weekend we're recording this yeah uh, I've heard that Jupiter Ascending is a hot mess of a movie, but has all the makings of a cult classic. And I'm totally going to go see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah In spite of, of the fact I, that the critics have been going, well, yeah. <laughs> I kind of assumed it would be a bit of a hot mess, just mostly because Based it's coming out now. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also because it's coming out in like the first week of February. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This oh, is like the dumping ground. For, yeah, yeah. These, are the, this is, these are the two months. This is the dark the, days of film. Yeah, yeah. The, Hollywood puts all their films. They have absolutely... No confidence in. <laughs> it's the tax write-off month. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we make these movies? So uh, Tilda Swinton, not on the list. Not on the list. Uh, another actress who's not on the list is Jennifer Aniston. Now she won... For cake, right? The, uh, for cake. She won the opposite of a Razzie this year for that. The Razzies, for those who are unfamiliar, are the Golden Raspberry Awards. They're given out to the worst in motion pictures every year. They're the opposite of the Oscars. I hope to Jennifer win one Aniston one won, won one previously for Worst Actress in Something. But this year they gave her an honorary Razzie for essentially uh, a person who has previously won a Razzie but has since gone on to do something amazing, has mm-hmm. turned their career around. And they were so, – because they, they were so impressed with Cake. And she was surprisingly on, touched and honored that she had won this <laughs> this strange anti-Razzie award. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of surprising for a lot of people that she was not nominated for Cake. Well, I hear that, that Cake as a film is not particularly good. And that's fair, but – I mean, there are people on the list of sure. uh, actor nominees who, or actress nominees who are in movies that were not on the best picture list. True. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe the Academy was looking at the fact that Friends is out on Netflix and that just overshadows everything that Jennifer Aniston does because it was <laughs> you know, objectively terrible. You television. know who else isn't on the act, on <laughs> any of the acting lists? Who? Black people. Also true. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Every one of the acting nominees is white this year, in a year that Selma is up for a best picture. Interesting. And some of the actors from that movie were nominated at other award shows. Very interesting. Just putting that out there. Also, the uh, director of Selma, not nominated for directing. That's right. uh, Oscar, which was considered a weird sort of snub. Uh, Thoughts? In a year also that American Sniper, a movie about a racist monster, is nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> for yeah. yeah, and Bradley Cooper. Well, I mean, Cooper. you could easily take Bradley Cooper straight out of the, the Best Actor. He lifts right out. Because, I mean, he, in that movie, he essentially uh, has a really good Southern accent and stares off into the middle distance quite well. He is very good at the, staring into the middle distance. Yeah. I still think his best performance of 2014 was Guardians of the Galaxy. Agreed. Sure. Yeah. Like, sir, I'm not joking. The that was that was probably his, my favorite. His movie voice of the year. work was excellent in that film. Yeah, 
And it was a fun movie. And I love Chris Pratt so much. So much. <laughs> but also a white guy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Which it's, is a point against him now. <laughs> and, and you know that there are, there are groups watching these lists thinking, well, why the hell wasn't, you know, why weren't more black people nominated for sure? So I, Yeah, and, and generally the Oscars tends to lean a little heavily towards the not colored people yeah. for their nominees for every category. Yeah. Uh, because it is... Uh, institution that is run by old white men so that is go true figure but uh yeah that was something that jumped out at a lot of there was a lot of chatter about that uh fox catcher not getting a best motion picture nomination despite the fact that um steve carell and and mark ruffalo are there for acting it's got uh an achievement in directing nomination but it didn't get an uh a motion picture nomination and they can nominate 10 movies and they only nominated eight. Yeah, that was kind so. Of there's weird. two slots. They're wide open. That the director of that film did something to some producer somewhere, <laughs> and this is like a punishment. This is, like, look, we this got a spot for you, but I didn't put you there. These are the <laughs> politics. These are the I politics. Could, of the I could have put you there. Yeah, I could have. Yeah. Uh, what other snubs? I know that one of the ones that people were talking about was the fact that Le- the Lego movie was not nominated for animated motion picture. Yes, yeah, so there were a lot of people really. That was when when the Oscar noms were. Uh, uh, announced my twitter feed blew up with people incensed <laughs> over the lego movie yeah a two-hour commercial that did not get <laughs> that was a surprisingly good movie were they actually uh, never, i would I, never once there used are the word some lego in that film scott you told me that that is true they never once say the word lego in that movie oh really that's true um but <laughs> there are i mean there are five nominees but from what i understand the box trolls is not a great movie and it's nominated for best. So that's clearly one that's just got slapped on there. So why not nominate the Lego movie? And the Lego movie has won other awards during the award season. Well, I mean, uh, wasn't Frozen from last year? No. no Frozen swept the animation Oscars the year right. before. Yeah. Which apparently... It's still a thing because it's everybody's still watching it, but and it I is learned, in fact older than that. I learned today is a complete ripoff of two characters from Sailor Moon R. So there you go. Other I am pleased that Big Hero Six is on the list. I really want to see that. That was film. a legitimately good movie. I, I unfortunately have missed just about every <laughs> good animated film. This I haven't watched any of them. Unfortunately, I think I only watched one of them. I can't remember. I can't even find where the list is. There we go. Uh, I saw How to Train Your Dragon Two, and Ooh. that was only okay. was it Oscar worthy? No, it was only it was okay, not. and yet it won the Golden Globe over the Lego Movie. Oh, really? I just I do want to point out one uh, one category that we haven't talked about um, before we move on. I want to talk about red carpet stuff, but achievement in visual effects. There's some really strong contenders on this list, including uh, Captain America. The Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which I did not see, but I understand is okay. Uh, I was actually going to bring up Andy Serkis as another possible snub. Yeah, well, I mean... The, the, there was talk around the time of, that Planet of the Apes came out that he should be nominated for an acting award And that's for kind of one of those rolling his, debates that's been yeah. going on since Lord of the Rings, I think, isn't it? Because he is performing. capture performances, you know, and best ask, best... Um, actor Oscar thing and that, that's been the whole debate for a while I think yeah yeah. but I, this was this was the year that it really kind of came to the fore mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people really talking about he should get nominated this I year think, for something I think that's definitely like I think he should because like if if, it, if his performance wasn't integral to the part then he wouldn't keep getting hired for all these roles right they exactly. would just have anyone do it yeah yeah, but that's like, that's a good point. Yeah, but I mean, he's a, he's an amazing he's, physical actor. Specifically for yeah. him to come back means that his performance must be kind of central to it. You know? I just don't think the Academy is ever going to be into that. Like, I just I don't think they're willing to award it. It feels like if you're going to if you're going to nominate Andy Serkis for something like that, then there also might need to be another category for best, you know, animated puppetry or or whatever you want to call it. For people who who are also working very hard on on that character's performance, right? I guess uh, I guess part of it too would be kind of the the degree like where you would draw the line between those between, between animation like, uh, and between performance, a, a caption thing and like and a voiceover kind of thing. Because well, and cause there's, there's some roles too where they, where they take somebody's face and maybe kind of use that as part of it, but not the body. And yeah, you know, but it, yeah, even more than that, the, it's it's the distinction between. Is it something that's being animated whole cloth, or is it the equivalent of putting a digital costume on an actor who's putting in a performance? Mm. And I would argue in Andy Serkis's case, it's more of the latter than the former. Yeah, definitely. And th- I, not to not to in any way dismiss the work of the animators who are in this case essentially digital makeup artists. Mm. 
Uh, and I would not in any way disparage the, the makeup artists who do amazing monster makeup in monster movies either. But uh, at some point you have to say the actor is still putting in an amazing performance. And especially when you're that made up for all intents and purposes, uh, you have to really have uh, a command over your, your physical presence and every movement and all of your facial expressions to get across a performance. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that that's arguably more masterful in some, ca- in some ways than doing something really subtle. Um, but that's... I, obviously, I fall in the on the side of the debate of yeah, if the guy should maybe have gotten a nomination, and Scott might Scott might have also nominated some black people, possibly. <laughs> so, Which so we are not. Fair to me. We are could, not. The could we Academy. have Andy Serkis like just play play a black black person? We could like CG <laughs> CG that. <laughs> let's let's kill two birds. Digital blackface. Awkward. Wow. <laughs> this this took a turn. Robert Downey Jr. How about we just have him act as Bradley Cooper? <laughs> In, in Bradley okay. Cooper's next, I'd be okay with that. You know, I would love, I, I would love to see Wes Anderson win something, but I don't. I think he's too weird for the. I Academy. agree. I don't disagree with that. I, I'm a I fan think of his movies. He's, he's a very artsy director that they appreciate, but they're never really. He'll win an, a lifetime achievement Oscar one day. That, that, yeah, probably yeah. actually. By the way, I am pleased that Hayao Miyazaki is winning a lifetime achievement Oscar. Yeah, it's pretty cool <laughs> because pretty he cool. is a. A great animator, just on the on that point. So let's end this conversation by talking about the red carpet shenanigans, which are mostly complete bullshit, and just a way for networks to sell more advertising time. Part of the pageantry. Yeah, maybe. But the questions that women get asked are absurd. You know, not just like... In contrast to the, the dudes who get asked, you know, you took on a meaty role, what was it like to become the, the main character, Steve Carell, in Fox, Foxcatcher? Women will get asked who designed their dress, mm-hmm. who's their date, who's their date, yeah. and other inane <laughs> shit. How are we not past this? It seems to be getting worse. If anything, yeah, you posted the thing. I think worse. it was you posted on Facebook where they had like that thing that they put they their had like hands a mini in. a mini red carpet for actresses uh, to walk their hands down, like so that like people could that see their like their rings and manicures and stuff like that. Are you fucking kidding no, me? No, I am not. <laughs> That's the like. If I was a dude and I turned up at an award show, well, I am a dude. But if I was if I was a dude who was nominated for an award, and I was at one of these award shows where they were doing that to the actresses, I would demand that they allow me to also walk my hand down. I I have just eaten a whole bag of chocolate covered pretzels, and I'm gonna walk (laughs) just like your your Cheeto stained hands. Like I also wonder how many people would just stick their hand in that box and just flip the camera off that got cut out of that. Uh, One one woman did it. I don't remember which actress it was. Like she actually gave them the finger. Yeah, yeah. I I believe it was the uh, the girl from Mad Men, Elizabeth Moss. Yes, yes. She's it's, not. She's not getting nominated. No, no. Well, it's. But just, I mean, just like the idea, like the idea of that alone is is silly. But I can't imagine being the person who's actually doing it. Like how embarrassing and stupid that would feel. You mean as a, as one of the reporters? No, no, no or, as, as as the actress, as an actress, as, yeah. as an actress who's who's it's sitting there with demeaning. your just like mm, walking down you the put a, aisle. You, there you like, went out and you performed your craft so well that your peers said you deserve to be recognized. Yeah. Even if you don't win the award, the fact you were nominated means that you are being recognized for being one of the best of the year. And uh, on your way to get that award, let's talk about what a pretty dress you're wearing and make you parade yourself in front of the it's, nation. It's That's, ridiculous. Yeah. It's distasteful. I want to hear what kinds of thoughts these women women had doing these characters or yeah. writing these screenplays or or have for having been nominated or what they think of the other people who were nominated with them who they're standing shoulder to shoulder with tonight like that's honestly ask- that's more interesting stuff than whether or not uh, a famous designer made their dress or they found it in the bargain bin at value village <laughs> yeah. well i guess the question becomes is like is is that the whole red carpet thing is i mean that's tapping into a different demographic uh, of, uh, you know, of viewers, people. Yeah, viewers, yeah. you know, this is like, these are like the, the celebrity watchers and, and that, and things like that. The people who are really into, into, uh, you know, fashion and Hollywood and those kinds of things. We're there, so like, we're there to see the glitz and the glamour. Yeah. So like the, I like, I mean, it's not that, it's not that I think it's okay that women are getting asked these ridiculous questions, 
you know, but in in a, in a way, I understand why it it happens because of because of what I perceive to be the the audience that is watching this. You know, and I they, don't think they're like a film yeah film like they're not film buffs. They're watching that. I mean, yeah, and there are people who in fact tune into the Oscars just to see the red carpet stuff. It's true, they're not really all that interested in the awards. They I just want to see that. the beautiful the people then, yeah. walk by the camera and and talk for five minutes. Here's what I would do if I were a male actor. If I were a male actor, I would. I was like, "Am I a male? Yes, but I'm not an actor." You just about fell into the trap. I saw uh, double checking of uh, gender and sexuality going on. Here. Um, but every question I got asked on the red carpet, I would respond by describing what I wear, how long it took me to get ready, that sort of thing. Just, just flip it, flip the tables on them. You know, show solidarity with the women that you work with all the time who are being asked the stupid questions or, in spite of who's watching. Uh, yeah. Show up to an award ceremony dressed in a fancy gown. That'd be awesome. Made up. The, in uh, drag, yeah. yeah. South Park guys did that one year. They, they did. When they were nominated for the South Park movie, they showed yep. up wearing dresses. Yeah. That's so. wicked. That's awesome. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that they would do. Yeah. Anyway, I believe I just, they are also really high on acid yeah, they when were. they got onto the red carpet as well. <laughs> well. They wouldn't be the only people to be high at the Oscars. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the only ones that admitted it, but yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, that's that's it for the, the, the ill-informed, ill-informed Oscars, Oscars show. Oscars show 2015. I we'll, hope we were uh, ill-informed enough for you. Oh, you were almost <laughs> entirely too informed. <laughs> we didn't go quite into as much depth this year as we often did because we wanted to talk about a couple other things yeah. rather than just focus on all the movies. So... But uh, we will obviously be watching the Oscars, and we'll probably touch on how right our, our guesses were in the categories we discussed when the show wraps up and when, and when we do our next episode after that. You bet. Thank you so much to Greg Bieber and Mark Jowett for being in the studio with us today. Awesome. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, thanks. It's always a pleasure. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 111. Our guests, Greg Beaver and Mark Jowett, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash unknownstudio. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. What did you do last night? Uh, we started playing Cards Against Humanity, and Ooh. then we turned it into that's, like a drinking game. Somehow. That's dangerous. Yep, yeah. that's a yeah. slippery slope you went down. Yeah, this is very slippery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>